Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat and managing the radio for this road trip is Jeremy Andrew Davis. With a background in traditional filmmaking, Jeremy refined his creative voice as a social media influencer. As a social media consultant and dis disability representative in, in media, he's helped disability representation become a part of the media landscape. We thank you for that. This social media background has shaped Jeremy's fast-paced genre, writing that blends contemporary issues into con into entertaining thrill rides that ultimately examine the human condition through the lens of equitable disability representation. Now, I'm going to read a, a quote I've got from you. Because I help people laugh at themselves and cry for others, cast off their troubles and find their joy, see the invisible and hear silence. And he finishes with this. I use fiction to tell the truth. Decipher that. What do you mean by you? <laughs> you're gonna, we're gonna find out. People are yeah. gonna find out. But what's what's the what's the uh, boiled down to? Uh, what that means? Sure. Uh, so I'm a writer and I write fiction. Um, and so in my fiction, I'm taking the truths of the human experience and okay. exploring those through a fictional lens. And okay. then in my social media. Um, there's always truth from my own lived experiences that are informing the videos that I make, but I also put in a layer of separation there. Um, or I, there's sometimes where I talk about things that actually happened to me, but um, I tend to change the names to protect the innocent type thing. Yes. Save your own ass. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that there's a level of uh, an emotional buffer for myself as okay. I'm presenting these things to the audience. So okay. uh, everything has a flair of fiction, but also a very healthy helping of truth. Okay. Well, it certainly does. I just, <laughs> I came across one of your pieces. I don't remember what it was. And it was holy cow, I see what this guy is doing. I got to get a hold of him. And that was before I started really digging in. And then when we started communicating, I, every once in a while, you'll pop one up uh, on LinkedIn. And that's where we, we reach out to each other. And uh, I, I think people are just going to really get into this. By the way, listeners, uh, on the Life's a Road Trip website and, and wherever you're listening, there will be a link to Jeremy's stuff on his TikTok, TikTok page, and also he has his other social media uh, places that uh, we're going to have links for you. So he is a very entertaining guy, and he really um, lays things out, allows us all to get pissed off with him, <laughs> and also to uh, explore some of our own emotions on agreeing oftentimes with what he's done. Uh, question for you, Jeremy. What was the trigger that started you doing these? I'll call them a, a one-man scenarios. You do two pay, two 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 faces to it. Yeah, what I did, play two characters in conversation with each other. Um, well, I'll keep the story short. So, uh, basically, I've been doing social media work for other people since two thousand nine, um, and in twenty. Let's see, was it 21 or 22? It all blurs together. Based it around before or after COVID or be yeah, during? Yeah, well, it's, it was after COVID by a couple of years. So okay. um, I think it was the beginning of 2022. Um, I just, I wanted to say some things. Mm -hmm. um, and I started making my own social media videos just to process through some of my own experiences with not really an intention of trying to get big or any of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been inspired by so many other, uh, social media creators in the disability space and one in particular, Connor DeWolf, uh, he talks about ADHD a lot. He's also talked about autism from time to time. Um, 
and he's not really doing social media posting currently, but oh man, just the things that he said and how that he said them were amazing. And he used the two people in conversation okay. approach where he's acting out both characters or okay. more than one or more than two. Um, and I'm like, I really like that format. Uh, I'm going to experiment with that. And it translated well because my background is in script writing. I'm writing dialogue between okay. characters and that's how I would explore a subject. I would say, oh, this character has this perspective and that character has that perspective. And then the audience can kind of have um, surrogates for different people expressing maybe their opinions and exploring how that might shift their perspective seeing this conversation unfold. Okay. Question for you that will probably be running through people's minds. Do you do the full script layout for each character and then you go into your own uh, production studio and you clip and paste and put them all together? Yes. So my process is I'll have an idea. I'll jot down some notes, maybe in that session or at a later date, I'll go back and like rewrite it, revise it and get it into something where I think it's ready to make. And it'll be like script format. Uh, just this person talks, then that person talks and back okay. and forth. And I print that up and I put my phone on a tripod and I clip the script to the side well, of it. Yeah, I've way And I I set up the one angle for the certain character and I wear that character's clothes, sometimes a wig or glasses okay. depending on uh what that character entails. And I'll just read through all of that character's lines. And then I'll change the ca the camera angle to the other character, change my clothes, wig, whatever. Okay to be the other character and I'll read through all of those characters lines oftentimes doing uh, several takes till it feels right mm -hmm. and then I bring it into my computer put it in my editing program and cut the best takes together so that it's a, a fluid conversation so for example a three minute piece from writing all the way through the end where you're satisfied how long do you think that takes you <sighs> no idea <laughs> <laughs> how many days um three minute three minutes uh shorter i, I oftentimes do some longer ones too yeah. but I'll, I'll do some like one minutes as well um i think it varies but it, it may be around three hours total um, I also bring it into my own captioning program and do my own burned in open captions. Oh, that's good. Um, so that, because the, the editing on the platforms for captions is just horrendous on, on all the platforms. So I just put my own in so that I know they're, they're good and synced and all that kind of stuff. So that, that adds a good bit of time at the end, but yeah, I would say probably around three hours from writing the script to all the stuff included okay. into posting. Okay. Well, let's get started with stuff. And this one I pulled up first because it, I think it lays a good groundwork. It's you talking about how the general population wrongly tends to wrongly define disability. And I have to admit, I went by handicap for the longest time because I always saw in the word disability, dis. Well, that's bull crap. I can do anything I end up setting my mind to. Hmm. So I didn't like the word disability, but since I've been doing the show, I've been told a few times, no, in, it's disability. You got to call it that. So I love the way that you help will help people on doing this. So let's take a listen. It's not disabled. It's disabled. Get it differently abled. Cause like disabled is negative. Disabled. Like it means you're not able. It means I lack one ability. A disability. I mean, I have more than one disability, but being disabled doesn't mean or imply unable. But isn't that ableist? Like, to say that you're lacking? Differently able I don't have supersonic hearing or x-ray vision. I can't fly. I don't have different abilities. Besides, differently abled implies that you have normal abilities and mine are different? Uh-uh. But <laughs> most disabled people, myself included, hate differently abled. I literally have fewer abilities. This 
ability. Can't you compensate for those abilities by developing others? Sometimes. But I heard that, like, with blind people, their other senses develop to compensate. And Yeah, that can happen with certain disabilities, but actually not with most. What? Okay, so one of my disabilities is Raynaud's disease, which means in, for me, temperatures below 65 degrees, my body sends less and less blood to my extremities the colder it gets. I have to be very careful in cooler temperatures. And that sounds rough, but can't you do, like, exposure th No ability compensates for that. My doctor literally told me to just move south. Oof. Except I'm also heat sensitive. See? You're cold-blooded. Your body temperature changes, so different ability. I have other disabilities. I can't develop a compensating skill that makes me not get dizzy, or not have ringing in my ears, or make headaches magically vanish. There's no compensating for my sensory sensitivity, my panic attacks, or my chronic pain. And I certainly wouldn't call it a different ability that my armpits are off in waterfalls! Okay, 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 I, I get it. But don't you have, like, superpowers from your autism and ADHD? I hear it called that way. <laughs> don't. Sure, those come with awesome traits, like my ability to notice patterns and my deep focus, the fact that I'm compulsively honest and I possess a strong sense of justice, plus many, many other good qualities that I wouldn't want to lose. But some of those also come with equal drawbacks, like I hyper-focus and forget to eat or use the bathroom. My sense of justice causes great anxiety, and I've lost a number of jobs due to my honesty. Overall, autism and ADHD are still disabilities. I need accommodations, and I face discrimination. Well Okay, we're going to end on that. And in there, you mentioned ADHD and uh, also autism. You brought mm -hmm. a lot into that space. Um, I'm, ha I'm still having a hard time coming up with disability on how we look at it because you've got a bunch. I look at mine as I have a disability. I'm, I'm missing both hands. I have used my electric hands and I also use braces because I'm missing parts of each foot. Uh, hmm. And by the way, when I take my arms off at night, it's an amazing feeling and I can go and leap out of the window and become Superman. That's, that's <laughs> one of the things that I can do. What made you come up with that idea on, is it trying to help people or was there something that you experienced that you said, doggone it, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go in and write it and produce it. What was it? Ah, with, with a lot of these, it's my own process of realization and going through these experiences myself. So like I started as the first guy, <laughs> you know, like yeah. well, it's a different ability. <laughs> um, and like disability, there, there's so much negative perception and negative societal uh, treatment, ableism mm -hmm. um, around disability that <clears throat> we often uh, are drawn to trying to find something else. But finding a different word doesn't change any of the ableism. It doesn't remove it. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah, it was really the inspiration of like me struggling over the many years of, I mean, I've been disabled my whole life, but it wasn't really until my late 30s that I'm like, I, I'm disabled. I'm this, this is a legit disability. Mm -hmm. um, and I talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, don't, don't call it a disability because that means I'm somehow less than, or you're somehow less than, or, you know. Um, and so there was a real big light bulb moment for me where it was like, wait a minute, that itself is ableist to say I'm less than because I lack an ability. Like True. me as a human, I have equal value regardless of my abilities. Um, and so I wanted to kind of encapsulate that several year, I mean, probably several decade <laughs> process of growth of coming to the understanding that, that disability is not a bad word, 
me okay. being disabled is not a bad thing and that I have value regardless of what abilities I do have or don't have. Okay. I I just really like how you dealt with that. And well, we'll, we'll go into the next one and, and uh, I want to look into, you do one, one piece on autism. Our very first guest on the show, Mark Harris, uh, Academy Award winning producer was on the show. And we talked about his, what he was, how he was using writing and uh, then um, some other ways of dealing with his uh, grandson's autism. And we also had Becca Laurie Hector and we were talking about insurance and you get into something about um, having autism or having it finally declared that you have autism. So let's look at that piece. So you say your child has problems in school? Yes. And they repeat strange sounds? Uh Uh-huh. And they often walk on their tippy toes? Yeah. And they have a handful of interests that they're obsessed with? Yeah. And they have a hard time understanding other people's personal space? Yes. And threatening punishment seems to not be effective? Yeah. And they seem to not be able to stay organized? Yeah. And they're super picky eaters? Yes. But they do make eye contact. I mean, they will, but not... Well, then we can rule out autism. (laughs) Just mark them down with the good old anxiety diagnosis. Oh my God. And and that's what I have found from some of this stuff. Um, (laughs) God, how did you come up with that way? And by the way, was the deeper voice something that just happened during recording or you intended that? I can't tell because you're so good at it. (laughs) Um, A little creator trick here. So TikTok has a new funding. opportunity for certain creators but in order to qualify the video has to be longer than a minute okay so this was actually one of my earlier videos that i made and it was like 57 seconds mm-hmm. and so several creators um a lot of creators re-upload some of their old content because people who have started following me in the last year haven't seen any of my videos from the year before um, and so I wanted to see if I could make this qualify for trying to get the pennies that, you know, TikTok might throw my way. Okay. So I slowed it down and I'm like, oh, this actually makes it that's more funny. Oh, yes, it did. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. I thought you were just, yeah, doing that. <laughs> next, you're, next, we're going to get into ADHD. So again, uh, the final point that you were making with the autism was how doctors tend not to mm-hmm. uh, properly diagnose. But here with the ADHD, you know, it, it made me think of a, a line from Robin to Batman, you know, like, holy 180 degrees, Batman, because this is talking about doctors in a little bit different way on how they deal with ADHD. So here we go oh, with that I piece. I finally got my ADHD diagnosis. God, you too? They give ADHD to everyone these days. Seriously, Brad? They've had me jumping through hoops for nine months. Who do they think they are? Oprah? You get ADHD and you get ADHD. <laughs> and the hoops were on fire. Seriously, like you can just walk into any old doc and they're like, must be ADHD. Here's some Adderall. And after all of it, my primary physician still refuses to even let me try medication because he doesn't want to be accused of overprescribing. You'd think insurance companies would be having something to say about it, but I guess the drug companies are just too big. Are you even listening to me? Huh? You know what? Maybe you should get evaluated for ADHD. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Good luck, Brad. <laughs> okay. Um, when you brought up the drug companies, it made me think, yeah, they should probably be going in there and, and uh, maybe maybe part of it is that they're pushing it because people are prescribing their drugs more. Uh, I don't know what the, the cause is. Is some of this from your personal experience? Yes. Uh, 
Okay. So right. I'm autistic and ADHD. Um, and then a lot of my friend group is as well. Uh, and of course my audience. So I do a lot of interactions with my audience. So this video is actually directly inspired by a friend of mine. And th there's all these intersections of different facets of society that creates these hardships for people with dis disabilities. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, you have a lot of cultural perception that both autism and ADHD is being way overdiagnosed, like that people who don't have it are getting diagnoses and that there's all these people who want the diagnoses. Okay. And um, so on that side, like social media has opened so many people's eyes to what the ADHD and autism experiences are like and so people like myself who are like i'm normal my whole life i'm just weird are seeing these videos going like oh that's me do do i have am i autistic do i have adhd mm -hmm. um and side note here um a lot of autistic i would lean to say most autistic people prefer we are autistic, not we have autism because it sounds okay. more like a disease. Yeah. Um, and ADHD, there's there's less of that stigma because there's a bit less stigma with ADHD. Um, and, and less, there's still a whole lot of misunderstanding of what ADHD is and looks like, but mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole lot more with autism. Okay. Um, but yeah, so my friend had been talking to a friend of hers and just having this kind of experience with her ADHD diagnosis of just like, oh my gosh, they're, those doctors are just, you know, saying everybody has ADHD. Oh, you have problem in school. Well, you have, ADHD, you know, and yeah. just all this kind of stuff. And she's like, it, it took me nine months to go through the whole process of assessments. Like there were multiple doctor's appointments. There were multiple tests. There were you know, all of these different things. Um, and at the end of it, there's an Adderall shortage. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, I, and, and then there's the whole, there's drug companies behind this where, yeah, big pharma has a lot of issues, but also those drugs are very necessary for treating mm -hmm. uh, all the different, you know, diagnoses, not just ADHD, autism, that kind of thing. Um, and so like I have family members who are on medication for ADHD, um, and not Adderall and the, the medication has helped them a lot. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's all this nuance and complexity to these societal issues where we're finding that a much, much larger percentage of the population has ADHD is autistic or any number of other things that just the awareness of what these are is growing. Like I didn't get diagnosed as autistic until last year. I had right. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got, I, I, I self-diagnosed the year before I did a bunch of research. Of course I'm autistic. So I'm <laughs> bingo. Um, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I think, I think I'm autistic. And so I took all the, the assessment tests that are available online. And then you have all of these attitudes towards self-assessment. And I go into my autism assessment and I knew more than the doctor. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the the eye contact one, like a lot of doctors, when they went through school and heard about autism, eye contact was a really big one. <laughs> but mm -hmm. people who are autistic can make, not all of us, uh, you know, autism presents in different ways and different people, but um, so many of us can do eye contact and have been trained to do eye contact. But what people don't realize is if I'm making eye contact, I can't pay attention near as well to what you're saying. Okay. So choose eye contact or listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
I can make I can't contact all day. I'm just <laughs> um <laughs> And this was actually one of the realizations for me is I was trained to make eye, eye contact, but I realized as an adult, I'm like, oh, I pretend I'm making eye contact. I kind of like look around the nose area and then blur my vision. So I'm focused more on the mouth because if I'm looking at the lips I can, with auditory processing disorder, which is common with autism, um, if I can see the visual of the mouth, I can better comprehend what's being said and I don't get mixed up as much. Okay. Um, and so it, it was one of those like aha moments um, that thanks to social media, I learned more about myself. And then with my diagnosis, the things I'm learning on social media and all of that put together, I'm now so much better able to take care of myself to give myself accommodations to not gaslight myself um and live a happier more productive uh life because of all of that combined but then well, i also have to deal with people like brad who give me a hard time <laughs> it's so important and then you, you just mentioned jeremy about give yourself a break cut yourself some yeah. slack yeah. on being able to do stuff now since I've been doing the show, I've I've had a couple of guests on ADHD uh, and also autism. I substitute teach. And mm. just by doing those shows and now another one with you, we're covering both topics. I'm better in the classroom because I can understand. I don't have access like the full-time teacher does on more information on these kids. But I think I'm able to pick up little nuances mm. and then take it in that way from what I've learned from folks like you. So it's very awesome. beneficial. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to, it's my job as an educator to be able to be there and understand, you know, where the kids are and stuff. So next I want to touch on something. And, and um, a couple months ago we had Merrill Evans on the show uh, about with discussing hearing impaired. And we talked about captions and I would call her the caption guru. Yes. And you, you bring it up. And uh, well, let's just look at it. It's a, it's a shorter one, but we'll we'll see. Hey, about you know this. you're doing captions wrong. Wrong for who? You're not supposed to do that highlight word thingy because um because because you saw a post about how word highlights, also known as karaoke style captions, can be less accessible for certain disabilities. If you already know, why do you do it? Uh, the big picture reason I'll get to in a bit, but let's address your specific concerns first. So do you understand how different disabilities have different access needs and how some accessibility features for certain disabilities may actually make something less accessible or even inaccessible for certain other disabilities? That's the point. Captions should be standardized to be most accessible for all, even if that standardization makes the content inaccessible for those other disabilities. What? No. So I've gotten literal thousands of comments from people thanking me for these captions. I spent a lot of time and effort refining my captions for my audience, an audience with a high percentage of audio processing disorders and dyslexia and attention and focus issues. Oh, but I thought that kind of karaoke captions can be distracting. And you put the captions here in the middle instead of at the bottom. You're breaking all the rules. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm breaking them by listening to my audience. At first, my captions didn't have enough contrast for low vision people, so I boosted contrast. Then I found my karaoke highlights were too contrasty and distracting, so I refined the settings so that the highlighted area was subtle enough that it was the least distracting as possible, but still noticeable enough so that it helped those people follow along who needed it. And in this process, I've partnered with my community and with other advocates, including the deaf and low vision spaces, to refine my approach to be as accessible as possible for my audience. Knowing that 100% accessibility is not possible the way these apps are at this point in time. So why are your captions in the middle? I hear that's not preferred either. I found if I put my open captions in the video and the app puts the auto captions in the same area, none of the captions are readable. Oh yeah, I've seen that. So frustrating, right? So I've deliberately placed my captions 
where they are so that both the face and the video can be seen, while the auto captions can also be read. This way, people can read whichever set of captions are more accessible to them. Why not just use the app's captions? Honestly, because they're inaccessible to me as a creator, and they don't have adequate customization features. The user interface for editing and correcting the auto captions is so poorly designed on all the platforms. Plus, these apps don't make it easy to add my own closed caption file and upload it alongside my video. It is sometimes possible, but it takes a lot of extra work. So I use Descript, which is an app, and I use it to burn in open captions, which means that the captions are actually burnt into the video and not overlaid. And this is the real point I want to make. You're complaining to creators for something that's the platform's responsibility to make accessible. So I shouldn't let somebody know when I find their captions distracting or inaccessible? Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely give kind and constructive feedback. Without that, I would not have refined my captions to how they are. But I would encourage this. Every time you comment on a creator's captions, also give feedback to the app. If every comment that disabled creators got complaining about their accessibility was instead sent to the platforms demanding that the platforms be made accessible, there would be so many comments that these apps would have to take their UI accessibility seriously. Okay, so what would that look like? What should we be asking these platforms for? Customization. And this goes for every platform that uses video, including streamers. Users should be able to customize caption size, color, contrast, placement, font, including bionic font, capitalization preferences, transparency, background on and off, background transparency, background color, karaoke on off, karaoke color, karaoke transparency, etc. so that captions are actually accessible for everyone's needs. I mean, personally, I love a setting where if I have the sound on, captions are off. And when I have the sound off, captions automatically appear. And it's real easy to turn captions on and off if you want to turn them on. But that's probably asking too much, right? Wow, if I could have my preferred caption settings on all my content, that would be literally life-changing. Like, especially if Bionic font was an option. Right? So we need to direct our feedback from criticizing creators, especially those who are trying and doing the extra hours of work to add captions and refocus our collective voices on these multi-billion dollar platforms. They bear the onus of creating accessible user interfaces for all of us. Yeah, I'm going to go send this video to them. Okay, hey, you know I was going to cut that off wrong, shorter, wrong but then, hang on, I'm sorry, that. I keep doing that. Uh, then I wanted to get into customization mm -hmm. because it made me think, towards the end, you, you mentioned multi-million dollar websites. And some of my guests recently, as we've been talking about the way that the disability community can really push and knock down doors instead of just tapping on them is through the money that we have the money that we spend on their products. Is there, have you ever come across a website that allows customization from, not from their perspective on the backside, but on our perspective as the viewer or consumer? Have you ever seen that? I, I cannot think of any. I, I find myself constantly frustrated if we're talking about specifically video content. Yeah. Um, just constantly frustrated with all of the platforms, whether that's, you know, Disney, Netflix, streamers, mm -hmm. or it's the social media apps, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, just like, I, I'm constantly going, this does not work for me. And I would, I would use the apps more if I had the ability to make the user interface something that I could use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, for my promos, and I, I do two audio, they're called audiograms, and I, I post them on Tuesdays and Thursdays to break it up. And I use a product called Headliner to make these audiograms. And they, from my side, the production side, they will do AI to follow, and they do a nice 
nice job. I'd say it would be 95% correct, but I do find issues and I can go and tweak those before I send it out. And I think that that's great, but that's as far as I ever thought to take it. But your idea on being able to do it from the viewer side, mm-hmm. God, I wonder if that's even been thought of or what would be the benefit? I don't know. We don't want, then we're going to start getting into a political <laughs> show because might be talking about money and then that leads to politics. Okay. So I want to switch lanes. And another item that you bring up that I think is extremely interesting, and that's about, uh, well, your view on using disabled actors or people that are actors performing someone who's doing a disability. So for example, if someone was playing me uh, uh, in uh, a movie and how they would be able to use my arms or when I take off my arms, you know, I just have half a, uh, half a uh, forearm that they nowadays, that sort of thing can be dubbed in and, and removed and you can make it look realistic. But your perspective, I think is uh, something it should be looked at. So let's, let's take a look right now. Disabled movie characters need to be played by disabled actors. Oh, not this again. It's acting. We cast the best actor for the job. So you're saying that someone who is, for example, not autistic would be better at portraying autism than an actual autistic person? Well, sometimes we need to cast for star power to get those butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. It's a business choice. Like in the past when white movie stars played Asian or black characters and then of course depicted them in harmful stereotypical racist ways. That's different. See, that was wrong. (laughs) Different. It's funny how the arguments for inauthentic casting are the same for all minority groups. Maybe it should apply across the board. Well. Okay. Um, While I'm... While I was watching that, I, I love old movies, 40s and 50s, especially the noirs. And I remember looking at some Westerns. I don't know if John Wayne ever played in India, but there were some big name people that had played Indians. So they mm-hmm. just put some reddish makeup on them and things. Um, it's, it wasn't as good as, I don't, I wonder if the guy from, the guy that played Tonto, I think he was a real Indian, at least, you know, from, uh, his background. So your perspective on that, I think it pushes it. Was there more of a meaning behind that? Or did you just want to kind of nudge the bear a bit? Uh, It's a subject that is going around Hollywood uh, on multiple levels. Like there's, there's still racial casting that has happened in recent years where it's like you're you're not casting somebody of the race that is the character like that should be a no-brainer that you cast authentically yeah um and so in terms of the general big picture especially when we're talking about studios we want to have the rule of authentic casting at least as a first choice if there's something that is a very rare condition and there's not actors to play that okay you know like we could have some of those conversations but for example autism is so common and there are so many autistic actors who because of the ableism in the industry are kept out of the industry, um, th- we should get first pick. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's some very famous actors who are autistic as well. Dan Aykroyd is autistic. Okay. And if you look back through his films, you're like, oh, virtually every character he plays is coded autistic. But in the story, it's just, oh, this is a the weird or quirky guy. Okay. Um, and so there, there's, there's opportunities for autistic people to play non-autistic people, but autistic characters should be played 
by autistic actors. Um, okay. And I think that applies to most disabilities as well. And I, I think we are starting to see more disabled people, uh, at least yes. in commercials. I, I think it's starting there. And I, I often say this, doggone it, uh, disabled community. Follow what the LGBTQ plus uh, community did. Just follow exactly their pattern. And I think maybe disabled community is starting to, they're jumping in off the, uh, off the uh, on-ramp a little late, but at least it's coming into something. And maybe we're starting to notice it. And maybe like what you're saying, it'll start coming out uh, in movies. I, this takes me into something you touched on, independent contractors. And um, in the past, we've had a couple of guests on that talk about they act as an intermediary between uh, the corporations and the disabled people joining them and, and working for them. But you bring up an, an, a, a point, and I think a lot of it came from uh, out of COVID, but it's it's something that's going around now, and I just call it independent contractors. That's, that's the piece so that's coming up right now. We are so glad to have you as an independent contractor. Here is your contract. So glad you don't have to pay me benefits and won't hire me because of your discriminatory hiring practices. I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, nothing. Um, <laughs> it says here net 90 payment terms. What? Yes, that is the pay schedule on approved invoices. Um, Meaning there is a 90-day window for us to pay the invoice. So I won't get paid for work I completed and that you profited off of until three months later? Oh gosh, no. No, not 90 days after the work is completed. 90 days after your invoice is approved. Uh, approved? Not submitted? How long? <laughs> yes, these things take time, you know. We have to make sure you aren't scamming us, so we take up to 30 days to make sure your invoice is accurate so we can approve it. So, 120 days. Four months to get... These are like rare exceptions where it takes that long, right? Just if there's a problem? <laughs> no. I, I don't get it. Once an invoice is approved, it's literally all digital, right? A computer program initiates the payment. Why does that take up to 90 days? I wish I could answer that, but if I told you that corporate waits as long as possible to pay contractors so that they can hold all the money they owe contractors as an investment so they're accruing interest on said money, well, corporate wouldn't keep me on. And I shouldn't tell you that the longer they can hold on to your money, the more free money that they can make from it. So over the last two decades, corporations have been expending the time that they take to pay contractors more and more, despite those systems becoming completely automated. And under no circumstances can I reveal that we don't even have a human review the invoices. Everything's automated. <laughs> That's literal theft. Legal, though. So all I told you is that these things take time and it just can't be done faster. So here, disabled people face discriminatory hiring practices, forcing many of us to become independent contractors. There's been many disabled people who have died waiting to be paid for work that they completed. And they died because they didn't have the money to pay for their necessary health care needs. <clears throat> Another thing I can't tell people is that some companies similar to this one participate in what's called government supplier diversity programs. I've heard that under these programs people who are disabled or women or LGBTQIA plus or veterans and other minorities have access to certain benefits one of which might be being able to get shorter payment terms. Oh. So I'm sorry, but I can't tell you to ask if we have such a program or that if we say yes, you will need to follow your state's protocols for validating your minority or disadvantaged status. And I can't tell you the various benefits of registering that that can give you as a contractor. And I surely can't tell you that upon request, we can put in your contract that we have to pay you within seven days of submitting an invoice. Submitting? Yes. The time may vary depending on the company and the state, but here 
we will have seven days to review, approve, and submit payment for your work. It'll be in your contract. Almost as if the CEOs <laughs> could and should be doing this for everyone all along. After all, you're an employee and get paid within seven days of the work I complete. But you know the CEOs aren't going to do anything about it unless a law is done about it. We strike. This labor movement is long overdue. Okay. So I would say, Jeremy, if you were to retitle that one, I would just put one word on it. Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> because that's what that is. Yeah. By the way, you, you play that lady really well. Thank you. Um, She's my favorite character. I, I was going to say, <laughs> something really comes out. I can't tell. I don't know for sure if I, I liked you better as that flaming redhead in one earlier or as the <laughs> curly hair brunette. But this one you pull off. I mean, just it's spot on, man. Um, Thank so you. were you pissed when you did this one? Because something's coming out in you <laughs> on that. Um. This is one of those that has less of a of a false filter and more mm. of a this actually happened to me uh -huh. uh, multiple times over. Um, so I work as a contractor, uh, a consultant, or however you want to <laughs> frame that. And I, I've done that kind of work since 2005. Um, and so this has been a constant frustration over the years of just like, yeah, we'll, we'll pay you in three months and me not being God. able to eat. Yeah. Um, and so working in the film industry, uh, this is really, really common as well. So everybody complains about it, but nobody has any power to do it. Mm -hmm. And let's see in 2021, um, I, got a new contract uh, with a company that's a very large company. And so there, there was no like contract negotiation. It was, this is what you accept or we don't bring you on. But in that process, I learned of this um, diversity initiative that is available in certain states um, and at certain companies. And so I looked into it. I got my disability thing uh, and put put that through the whole <laughs> hoop jumping process. And I got my payment terms from 90 days to seven. And it, it was a like, it's up to 30 days to get approved and up to 90 days after that to get paid. So up to four months. And uh, now I am paid seven days after I send an okay. invoice, okay. which okay. is life changing. But that talk about hoops and red tape. Holy yeah. Jesus. Well, let's go into the next one. I'm going to let this, we're just going to let this as a standalone piece, because I think it tell, says everything there. And I had never thought about this one. I, I, it's called, I call it the, the cost of uh, a personal Honey, disability. How much money do you think okay. you've lost because of your disabilities? Well, let's see. We have roughly $1,000 a month for the treatments that aren't covered by insurance, but are the only things that actually help alleviate the symptoms. Of course, my emergency room visits over the years. We have the specialized testing that I've had to do. Then we have the general medical expenses. My dietary restrictions make us buy price-gouged food. So that's roughly $5,000 extra a year in additional costs over what normal people spend. Of course, there was the years that I couldn't find anyone to give me accommodations and hire me. So there was the job loss there. And then when I did have a job, the average person with disabilities is paid 37% less than their counterparts with the same experience and skill level. Also, when I've had a job, I've had to take a lot of unpaid leave. If you add up altogether, since I graduated college in 2004, and you don't adjust for where my career would be right now had I been given opportunities, a conservative estimate on how much money we have lost in the last 18 years is 
1.5 million dollars. So if we didn't live in an ableist society, we'd be millionaires right now. Yeah. I don't I don't want to get money. I don't want to touch that one because otherwise we're going to be talking. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be on us. Listeners can go and throw things at the wall or whatever or cry. We're just going to slowly step back from that one, Jeremy, and we're going to go into an oldie but a goodie. We're going to finish up on this one, okay? Oh my gosh, that is my biggest accessibility parking. What? They're parking in a disabled spot. They should give that to somebody who needs it. They have an accessible parking pass. I'm sure they need it. Are you kidding me? They're like athletic and in their 20s. What are you doing? I'm having a flare and I need it today. But you're young and look incredibly sexy. There's people who actually need those <laughs> spots. You should you know 96% of disabilities are non-apparent. I spent three years of my life mostly bedridden from excruciating pain, among other things. When I did go to the store, people often didn't treat me well because they thought I was fit and healthy and could run a marathon. People with your attitude harass and yell at people like me. I mean, I never, I, I just can't believe that you need it. Do you know what fibromyalgia looks like? Or how about a slip disc? Do you know what cancer looks like? What about lupus, epilepsy, sarcoidosis, osteoporosis, ME, CRPS, TBI, diabetes, MS, Lyme, gout, EDS, POTS, arthritis, endometriitis, Meniere's, bunions, post-knee surgery recovery. I could list a thousand diagnoses where the person could need an accessible parking pass, but look 100% healthy to you, a completely unqualified person. In fact, doctors even need to run many tests before they can diagnose most of the disabilities I just listed, all of which can qualify for a pass. But seriously, I've seen you dance and do martial arts. Like, you can't be disabled enough to need This it. is a state-issued accessible parking pass. Do you know what I had to go through to get it? I mean, it seems pretty easy. You just put- Years of seeing numerous doctors who over that period of time documented my ongoing need until there was enough evidence. And then they only gave me a six month pass and I had to keep reapplying until finally I got this five year one. Doctors can lose their license for prescribing accessibility passes to people who don't need them. It's not like the DMV is giving them kickbacks. Why would they risk it? What's your diagnosis? None of your business. Why are you being so defensive? How would you feel if someone screamed at you in the parking lot or stalked you around the store harassing you while you shopped or if someone made death threats because they determined that you were faking it. Oh, shit. Yeah, disabled people experience this kind of thing more frequently than you'd imagine. For the long Okay, okay. we're going to end on that. That, by the way, you weren't reading off a script for that one on, on both sides. You were just going with it because this has happened to you, right? Yeah, I, I did write a script for this, but this is based on my own experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I must admit that I became disabled in, God, it's been 30 years now. I've never owned an accessibility pass because I can walk fine, and that's how I view it. And I will admit that, and I look back, and maybe I was wrong, but I think I was right. I was with one of my kids when they were younger. We went to Home Depot. And there was a, a guy that pulled up in a handicapped spot or disabled spot and brand spanking new Corvette in one of those. And I said something and he just walked. I, I, I'm now thinking back, maybe he's just worked his ass off and it's something he's always wanted and he has it. And he did realistically need that accessibility parking. So I, if, if the guy with the Corvette 15 <laughs> years ago is listening, I'm sorry, man. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's um, interesting totally. because on this video on TikTok, I have over 2000 comments of people sharing their stories. Wow. Um, and to, to the sports car thing, that's a very common one, uh, of like, oh, they have a sports car and it's like, wait a minute, disabled people can be wealthy too. Yeah, true. True. Um, and so one guy shared his story. One of the, I didn't read all 2000 comments, but one of the comments <laughs> that I saw was he had a Dodge Challenger and he parked in an accessibility spot 
and just got screamed at and harassed. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I need the spot and these are my disabilities, but because it was a sports car. Mm -hmm. And so he said he got rid of the sports car. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> I have a feeling. And, that and there, that. there are people who do take advantage. Yes. Um, okay. So, yeah, there you know, maybe this was an instance where somebody was taking an advantage. But um, my rule is that it's not our job to police that or say anything right. because uh, on the chance that it is legitimate, especially if they have the placard. Like if it's somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't, then it's more likely that they're parking there illegally. But at the same time, I've parked in a handicapped spot and forgot to put my placard up. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so that can happen too. And so I'm always like, give grace, send love, let the universe take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, I really appreciate all your stuff and, and I, I want your viewers to go on and, and just look through things and pick and choose and go from, because you're doing a good thing. You're helping Jeremy and you're presenting things and you are doing it with a smile. And I think it's really important. So question for you, man, before we wrap this up and we, and we go into our last piece, what's next for you? Or maybe <laughs> what, what are you doing now that we don't know about? Um, yeah, so I'm continuing to do the social media posting. Um, I'm also doing my consulting work for various companies on both social media and disability representation in media as a whole. So that includes film, TV, cool. and uh, etc. And then I'm also always working into my own uh, filmmaking career. So next summer, uh, I am going to be directing my first feature film. Cool. Uh, we're in uh, the development stages right now. So uh, reaching out to actors, getting funding, all of those kinds of things. So there'll be more announcements moving forward as things get closer. Um, and it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm going to be starring in it as well. So wow. I'm a little nervous about that. But Yourself or who? <laughs> yes. Who from? Okay. Um, That's fantastic. And then, you know, I'm not going to play all the roles. <laughs> I do that on social media. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we'll be casting the other actors and uh, telling a very personal story to myself that's both uh, disability representation and also it's based on my experiences of the conflict that I've had with my parents and that wound up with me becoming okay. estranged from them. Okay. So, uh, Keep it in the back of your head because you're going to have so many tennis balls and other balls bouncing yes. around inside of there over the next <laughs> couple of years or so. Reach out to me, and I'd like to redo this again, and we can you know promo your your, your uh, movie. Okay, awesome, thank you. We're, we're going to get into the last piece. There we go, and that VW Beetle horn sound means it's time for the road trip roundup. I've got five questions for you uh, related to you and your road trip experience with Jeremy, just answer them however the heck you want to do it. All right. All right. So when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Neither. What, <laughs> how do you eat? Oh, you just take stuff. I bring all my, like we put a huge cooler. I've okay. cooked meals ahead of time. I have digestive disabilities, oh, okay. which is actually a part of my movie. Uh, it's a road trip movie called Camping with Dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> and one of the big conflict things is that the dad has packed some food that the main character can't eat anything. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my road trip experience with, with food is I have to okay. cook everything ahead of time and throw it in a cooler because uh, it's just so hard to find food that isn't going to make me sick. Got it. Okay. All right, next one. Dream car for a road trip. Maybe something you grew up with, something Ooh. you have now, something you rent. Hmm. I have a minivan. I have always loved minivans. I have a Toyota Sienna. Um, so I guess my dream car would be a brand new loaded Toyota Sienna. Okay. Um, yes, with the TVs in the backs of the headrests. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. All uh -huh. that kind of thing. I, I had that when I was, yeah, more, as my kids were growing up. But the main thing I always had was good sound system. 
Mm, you yeah. gotta have that because I still okay, crank I gotta Tom tell Petty. one story. Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, my family and I were going on a family vacation to North Carolina, driving there in the minivan. And I had a high school project where I was writing uh, a thesis on all these movies. So I had to watch all these movies. So on the road trip, we got my tube TV, you know, the big box ones and a VCR and a power inverter. (laughs) So we're driving down the road and I'm watching in the back seat with the middle seats taken out on this giant tube TV, all these movies for my uh, senior year thesis. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. All right. That's being dedicated or else that's <laughs> putting off your work so far that you, you know, that you hey, I always found a way to put movies in <laughs> things I didn't want to do. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. All right. You're old enough. Last cassette or CD that played while you're on a road trip. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Come on. Um, So my wife and I have uh, some of the CD. I forget what they're called, but they're they're orchestral versions of rock songs. Oh, I've heard of so those. like Metallica. Only it's an orchestra. So that's the one that that's comes to mind. That's a true. <laughs> I love those Metallica and orchestra format. Let's go with it. All right, real straightforward. Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Shit. Because I you drink can't... water. Yeah. Yep. Okay. God, that's two questions I really feel bad about, but I had to ask him. Now you could, <laughs> that's see, that's fine. part of Tolly talking about you, and that's what the yeah, show is for. And, and it's uh, doing more advocacy so people are, are aware of issues where people can't drink those kinds of things. True. I guess I just so, did what so many people yeah. do, say, for example, to me, as in, I didn't even notice your hand. Is like, <laughs> bullshit. Okay. So, all right. Damn it. And it's, you have a it's less easier to know about digestive issues too. So then I like talking bring it about to light. them because it's one of the disabilities that, that most people don't consider a disability. True. Um, and so like there, there's statistics where 26% of the American population has a disability, mm-hmm. but 40% of the American population has digestive issues. So never thought about that. Do those maybe count? We just don't think of them as disabilities. No, we don't. Wow. Okay. Last one. You go wherever you want to do with this. Okay, Jeremy. Favorite okay. road trip memory. And it can't be the one with the watching the movies in the backseat. Hmm. Hmm. Most of my road trip memories are a little complicated because of my relationship with my family. Okay. Um, and then further complicated because I don't travel very well with my nervous system issues. Um, so, um, usually when I'm doing a road trip nowadays, it's like, I got to get to the destination Mm. and then I'll be okay. So, um, but we tend to make a lot of stops and, and that kind of, I'll do that. So I think, yeah, my favorite part of road trips these days is the shift in perspective from when I was a kid. It's like pedal to the floor, hold your pee as few stops as possible. We're going to get there. And yeah. And um, I know so many people my age had that experience with their road trips. And for me now, um, I look at the map and I'm like, oh, here's a stop that we can make fun. Here's a stop that we can, you, you know, do take breaks. And so the road trip is chunked and we make it just an enjoyable experience with the family, creating little memories along the way. And Pretty cool. not trying to do giant big experiences, but just like, oh, yeah, when remember when we stopped at that overlook and walked around for half an hour. The yeah. little things. It's the little things. The little things. Let's end it on that. I want you and I to stay on for a bit. Uh, and I think we better uh, put a timer limit on because when we hit stop, you and I, God, we had a lot to talk about. But I'm just going to say challenge and chillax, everybody, and keep listening to Life's a Road Trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website, 
at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip 